The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag, uh, our midweek podcast where we answer all of your Detroit Lions questions live here on, uh, I almost said Spotify Live, it's not time for that yet, <laughs> live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Uh, you can always send in your questions to us via Twitter, or if you want to join us live, we answer your questions here as well. My name is Jeremy Reisman, I'm the producer, Detroit Lions beat writer for prideofdetroit.com. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me as always, helping me answer your questions, especially the draft ones. Uh, the <laughs> managing editor <laughs> of Pride of Detroit, also Lions beat writer at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. How we doing, man? Hey, buddy. Uh, I'm feeling pretty uh, good with the uh, coming off the heels of a uh, duo mock draft with Ryan Matthews this morning. Sure. Seems to have garnered a lot of interest. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, so, uh, we, we, we would talk about it, but I feel like everyone, based on the numbers, every Lions fan has already seen. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that's 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 uh, that's rewarding, right? Like, um, you know, look, credit to Ryan, Ryan's idea. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad he he said, you know, I think this is something readers would be interested in. And so um, it seems like Ryan was spot on with that one. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's not tear you too long here. Uh, we got a lot of questions to uh, answer oh, yeah. here and uh, a lot of lines news coming down the pike too, with the owners meetings this week, we got to hear from Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. So I feel like a lot of the questions we got, uh, are in relation to that. So, um, we're going to start at defensive tackle because we got a slew of defensive tackle questions. And I think that's also understandable because we had a Dan Campbell tease, regarding Jalen Carter. And then we also had uh, Brad Holmes talking about defensive tackle position uh, and kind of maybe uh, addressing that it's a need in an indirect way. So let me just get to a question here. Um, <clears throat> a couple of people, people have simply asked, uh, including Jason Krolik and uh, Motor City Jaw on Twitter, both asking what our take is on Dan Campbell and his, his Jalen Carter story uh, that he teased. And uh, let me, let me read it. Um, for the people that that may have not heard it, um, my my specifically my tweet of it tended to go viral, and I very much enjoyed everyone's responses to it. Um, but here's what he said. He said, "Quote: We talked to a teammate of his the other day, and man, he told us some things we didn't know that nobody probably would have known. It was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and then someone <laughs> asked him." I like mean? the inflection. I like the inflection that you put I, on certain I, words. I mean, that's Go essentially ahead, how he said it. 
Uh, I, I didn't throw on my Dan Campbell voice. Uh, but then he was, the follow-up question was, interesting how? Interesting good? Interesting bad? And he said, yeah. it's interesting. That's it. So, um, <laughs> what, what, I guess, what do you make of that story? Because literally everyone that replied to that had a different mm. interpretation. They were like, yeah. oh, that means he's got a bad story about Jalen Carter versus, oh, he wouldn't have said that if he didn't have a good story about Jalen Carter. So, <laughs> I don't know. How do you, how, I feel like a lot of people's interpretation is based on their own perception, probably, of Jalen Carter. So, I don't sure. know. What, how do you read that that whole quote? Oh, well, I read it as Dan playing the game, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yep. he's got everybody thinking about that. Um, I, I, I mean, if you look back, The Athletic wrote an entire piece on Jalen Carter based on coaches and teammates saying positive things about him. Yeah. And so the odds are he seemed to be – I mean, if you, if you believe that story, then the odds are that it was a positive story because his teammates tend to have embraced them. Right. Yeah. Um, at the same time, behind closed doors, when no one's listening, but you and the coach and you're trying to be honest with the coach, who knows what 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 could have been said? Like he could have he could have said, look, I'm trying to pre-warn you because I want I want to look better uh, myself in, in, in your eyes and I want to be honest with you. And so. I don't know. I mean, it could go, it could really go any which way. And I think that's exactly what Dan wanted. Yeah. I, I feel like at first, cause Dan, Dan is a guy that talks off the cuff, right? Like, and sometimes no. he doesn't have a filter yeah. on himself when, when he yeah. should. And so I feel like he brought up that story without any intentions, but then once he realized like everyone in the room was like <laughs> leaning forward, like Wait, what did they say? And, then, and he's like, Oh, right. I'm not going to tell you what that means. Like, <laughs> like he had to back off because he, he does want to play the game because putting that out there, I think he realized mid story, maybe like that's going to draw attention. Like if, if you, you can heard something, if you heard something good about Jalen Carter and, and you just admitted to the public, well, like now if there's a team at eight or nine or 10, they're going to want to jump you or right. you say something bad. And these teams are at eight, nine or 10. They aren't going to want to jump you. They won't need to jump you. So you don't want to give away what you feel about Jalen Carter. And I think, I think Dan probably realized that halfway through the story is like, Oh, I better not give up my intention here. <laughs> he, he's, he's getting, He's done that before too. Yeah. I mean, like it's not like it, it, this is just a baseless guess. Like this is something he's he's done several times. So um, I I agree with you. I think he uh, I think he he had to redirect yeah. his conversation, uh, realizing where he was, the timing, and everything. And you know that'll be a story that might come up off the record in training camp or something like that. You know what I right. mean? When he had, or I mean, know, if if they draft him, maybe. Maybe we dig that out of him, right? Maybe they tell us right after they drafted him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe Holmes comes up to the podium and he's like, listen, you know? Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I, I do. if he ends up a lion, I bet the story comes out. Right. Um, the, the second half of this question um, from, from Jason Krolik was, do I still believe that Carter is off their board? And this comes from an off-air conversation, uh, off-podcast air, I should say, um, okay. which, I, which I was reading through the tea leaves. And I didn't say definitively, but I, I – I think I had lost hope that the Lions were going to be interested in him because he is a prospect that I very much would love at six. Sure. Um, you know, putting away the the character issues because I don't know what his character is. Um, but now hearing the story, hearing that the Lions are going to bring him in for a, a, a top 30 visit, has my opinion changed? And the answer to that is yes. But I do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't I don't want to speak. I, I at all times I'm trying not to speak. In absolutes, right? Because there's just right. too, too many unknowns to the equation. But I think bringing him in for a top 30 visit is pretty clear to me that they haven't closed the doors on him. And I know some people could say they're they're playing the game. They want to show that they're interested in. But I, I don't think that sort of stuff happens as often as you'd think. 
I think when you're talking about top, you only get 30 of those. And that mm-hmm. might sound like a lot, but it's not. I think if you're bringing in a guy for a top 30 visit, there is still some level of interest there. And so I do think the Lions are still interested in him. Yeah, I think the initial wave of top 30s were almost all guys that didn't get invited to the combine on that they wanted to get medicals on. And so they got them in early. Now we're in the phase where it's like, okay, I need to get another interview with this guy face to face. I need to maybe have a medical recheck on a guy because he's got, you know, whatever uh, a current injury he's dealing with. Maybe the Carter thing is they just want to see if his weight comes back down. You know what I mean? Like there's a whole variety of things that could could come into play, but it's, it's good business that if you're, if you think that you're going to be in a spot for a guy to, to, to do that. And, you know, they've, they haven't done much at defensive tackle. And so that I think remains a a possibility. And I think if he's there, I think he's in, he's in consideration. You know, we hear a lot of rumors right now, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, a lot of people coming in with sources that are talking about the fact that the lions have concerns and maybe he's off the board, but then I, I I look back at how this off season has gone and they've done a lot of lying to us. So, uh, you know, positioning themselves in one way and then kind of going another. And so Maybe in year three, they're getting a little bit more savvy. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to – to it's lying season, so it's hard to really kind of sort your way through the weeds on this. All we can do is evaluate the player, and the player is great. Uh, the, if the, if the off-field concerns are too much, then then they'll pass. And if they pass on them at six, they're going to pass on them. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I feel. Um, you know, we had a Mike Tannenbaum mock – uh, the other day, and if we ignore the other ridiculous stuff and just focus on, he had Carter falling all the way to 18. Like, I, I don't think, I think he's it, with character. I think it's either you're on the board or you're off the board. Right. I don't think there's going to be a lot of wiggle room. Like if they're comfortable with your character, but like there's some questions, you're you're going to be on the board and that's fine. Okay. But like, if they're, if they're worried about it, then they're going to push them off. And so, like, a guy that's as talented as, as Carter, if he's on their board, even with mild character concerns, even if they're mild, right, if he's on their board, the talent says six. And so that I think they'd take him there. Um, but who knows? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of fun speculation, but uh, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and let's, let's talk about some – a lot of people have other questions about other ways to fill this defensive tackle need. And I, I think it's worth reiterating that, you know, I, I've mentioned Brad Holmes kind of in a roundabout way said that defensive tackle is a need. And, and the way he said that was he was talking about Isaiah Bugs, And he was talking about we yeah. like Isaiah Bugs. There's a reason we brought him back. The one thing we need to do is scale back his snaps. Yeah. And they didn't add anyone to the room. I mean, unless you think – you know, a, a second year Josh Pascal who has interior, you know, flexibility, same with uh, with Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Um, yeah. Maybe that can lighten the load a little bit. But I think I think the miss like the one missing piece of the puzzle is a defensive tackle. So let's talk about some non Jalen Carter options. Um, Motor City uh, jaw as, as a, a second part to his question uh, says, what's your guys' idea, ideal player to fill out at defensive tackle, if not Jalen Carter and, and round and what round or pick? Are you thinking for him? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard because the 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 two guys at eighteen, Cancy and Brise, are those guys are. I don't know how smooth of a fit they are. Yeah. Uh, more three technique guys. So if you're pushing a lean, or if you add one of these guys, you're kind of you're kind of be going to be shifting a lean a little bit more. I kind of proposed if they added a guy like Cancy, Cancy would play at the three. 
or, or or Carter even for that matter. They they'd be at the three about sixty percent of the time. Bugs would be at the nose about sixty percent of the time, and then Aleem would split between the two about sixty percent of the time, or thirty percent and thirty percent. Right, and then the other the other remaining percentages are going to be filled out by when you're in pass rushing sets and you're using edge rushers, right? right. Like, so you're, you're going to be moving. You can you can make that work by shifting Aleem back and forth. Um, but I, if they don't want to, if they if they want to keep Aleem at the three for sixty percent of the time, then you got to look nose a little bit more. Right. Right. So it's hard to sell. It's hard to tell. Like if you follow the Levi path, then you're saying, okay, 18 can see breeze. They're, they're in the mix. Yeah. But if you're saying, man, a nose tackle would, that could keep a at the three, that really seems beneficial. Well, then you're looking at guys like Benton and Ika. And if maybe if Mozzie falls to in, into the second round at where they pick and like it, it in the, at 40, whatever, right? Like those, those are your top five guys and they all make sense in a different way, depending on what their strategy is. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've got some quality, but they, they do need to be able to lighten the load on, on bugs in a lean. Maybe you don't need to on a lean as much, but you probably, you do need to lighten the load on bugs. And look, that's where guys like Benito is going to come in and help in those situations. Right. As well. So it's, it's not going to be like a full 60, but like, it, it really depends on their approach. And I, I, I'm comfortable with really any of those scenarios myself. I think the best value is probably getting one of the nose guys on day two. And that's what you did in your mock, right? You got Benton. Correct. Yep. Took Benton with the, in the forties. Um, another question here uh, and another po- potential solution to the defensive tackle comes from Adam Zenmaster on Twitter. Uh, asked, is there honestly any chance the lines make a push for Jeffrey Simmons with the rumors of him being potentially available? Um, just to give you some background in case you don't know what's happening over there. Jeffrey Simmons is on the last year of his rookie deal um, with Titans. I'm pretty sure. Um, And, and he's had, he does, he did the, the typical NFL player in contract negotiations drama, which is uh, a rate like I'm unfollowing the Titans and I'm taking away all my pictures (laughs) with the Titans. And I think now he completely deleted his social media entirely. So um, there's some rumors and, and to be clear, the Titans have not put him on the, on the trade block. Uh, they have not indicated right. that they have any interest in trading him, but let's just play a little fantasy here. What do you like or don't like about Jeffrey Simmons being a potential trade target for the Lions? Well, I don't like the cost. Um, I wouldn't like the cost to go get him. I wouldn't like the the money you're going to pay him. Uh, if you're going to pay him the level of money that he's looking for, I would have rather have seen them, you know, t- try and make a make a move for one of the other bigger names in free agency uh that maybe isn't as talented but would have cost less um so I, I i do think it is all a dance for the titans um i think he wants more money and um the titans are in a negotiation and this is all part of it like Remember the 24 hours when Darius Slay was available, right? Right, like it's like it's that it's you know they wanted a, di- a different contract and so they do this dance and I don't think it's as much a reality as um as as people would hope it would be. I I'm with you there. I, I don't I don't think Simmons gets moved. You never know. I mean things can can collapse and and maybe it's a draft night trade, right? Like that sort of stuff event happens out of nowhere sometimes. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I, th- I want to entertain this maybe a little bit more because okay. he's a really good player, right? Like, there's no doubt sure. about that. Uh, former yeah. first round pick, um, a guy that 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 can give you a an interior pass pass rush 
which is what the Lions, I mean, the guy had 53 pressures last year, 66 the year before. We're talking like three or four per game from an interior yeah. spot, which is exactly what the Lions are missing. The thing is cost, and it's not just the cost of trading for a guy like that, but immediately having to pay him, right? Yeah. So a lot, yeah. A lot of people would make a, 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 a legit argument is like, well, are you really going to get someone at Jeffrey Simmons level at 18, at 44 or 54, whatever their other, their second round picks at? And that's a fair point to make, but sure. they're going to come a lot cheaper on your salary yeah. cap than Jeffrey Simmons is going to, what, be like a, a 14, 15 plus million a year yeah. kind of guy. I, I think asking any rookie to come in and be a pro bowler is not realistic, right? right. I mean, even if they landed Jalen Carter, I don't think he's going to have pro bowl aspirations in year one in year one. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's just, it's not realistic based on the way that the, the way that defensive lines work in the NFL, like it takes time to build that consistency. And then when you get to like, you know, year two, year three, that's when these guys tend to turn the, turn it up a notch. And then by the time they're ready for contracts, you know, they're, they're looked at as big time impact players. And, you know, if they were looking for a more immediate fix, I think they would have addressed it. You know, I just, so I, in my mind, I don't think, I, I just don't think he's on the, ta- I don't think he's on the table one. And I don't think it, it's in their long-term plans to, to try and go after a trade like that. Now, I don't think they'll rule trades out. I just don't think he's the guy. Um, he's the guy that fits into their long-term plans. Just my guess. I could be wrong, but I mean, that's, that's well, just my kind of gut. How how do you kind of fit the Calais Campbell interest into this entire yeah. equation? Like well, obviously, well, they were interested in him. They didn't they didn't land him. He, he went uh, yeah. with the Falcons. But um, yeah, he was a guy that Dan Campbell openly admitted. Like I loved watching that dude's tape. Like he's really good. And and yeah. admitted that they were pursuing him in, on some level. I don't know if they ever. If I don't think he ever made a visit to Detroit. But what, what well, do you make of this? I think that they, what I make of it is that defensive tackle is a big need sure. and they know it's a big need. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if they, it, it really comes down to cost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they were willing, they're willing to put that level of cost into the position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've toyed around with the Ed Oliver stuff before and talked about, would they trade for Ed Oliver? I think that is, is realistic. You get him on a back end of a rookie deal. You can probably sign him. Like that's the that level of investment is going to be lower than than for like a Simmons, and so I, I think that's that's more, a little bit more realistic. The cost is going to be lower uh, to acquire him. The cost is going to be lower to afford him. It's just my that that's where my instincts are. Okay, fair enough. I I, I mean I feel like they'd be somewhat close in in how much you'd have to pay in in acquiring them and giving them an immediate contract, but Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver is also, for some reason, I'm I'm kind of more enamored with him, even though both those players are really good. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to a new topic here. Uh, this is a good one because I feel like no one is talking about this guy. No, it's not John Kaminsky. Uh, at Nate Savage asks us, or at Savage underscore Nate uh, asks us, I feel like we don't hear about Derek Barnes enough uh, with his contract yeah. expiring in 2024. Is this a make or break season for him to play for a new contract? Or do you think the team will... Uh, try their luck uh, at a, a young player at the linebacker position and just rotate new bodies. Well, you know, remember he only had one year off the ball at Purdue. And so he's still only in his third year, right? He's only got three years under his belt of, of playing off the ball. So, 
I don't know if this is necessarily a make or break year, but I do think it could influence how he does this year could influence their decision at the position. In fact, maybe it already did. Maybe the fact that he didn't take a step this year is why they invested in Anzalone for three years. Right. Yeah. Um, it's very possible that they were like, geez, we, we don't, we're going to have to probably get, we might have to replace Barnes in a couple years, but if Barnes isn't going to take the step after two years, then we need to make sure we're solidified at the position, re-sign Anzalone, and maybe they go back to the well at linebacker again this year, maybe next, right? But um, I don't think they're giving up on him, but I also think he needs to continue to progress if he does want to see a second contract that is beyond like a Will Harris type of path. Right. Right. Where you end up playing four years and you get that discounted like veteran rate in your fifth year and then see what happens after that. Like right now, he seems more on that path. Yeah. Like and that maybe that might even be generous considering Will's been a starter for a couple of years. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, he's he'll have to develop to get there. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily make or break. uh, I think it's pretty close for him. Yeah, I think I I think I I just look at him and and. You're right. Like Anzalone gives him a little bit of a runway, I guess, to say. I mean, they're both I would consider them both signed for the next two years. That's that's pretty much guaranteed. Right. I know Anzalone is a three year deal, but I don't I if I had to guess right now, I don't think he sees the third year of that deal. So in two years, they're both facing kind of this crossroads uh, and Barnes. Real, I mean, you could say he has next year's is technically the make or break year and you wouldn't be wrong. I don't think there's anything Derek Barnes can do to probably earn himself an extension next offseason. I mean, you'd have to really, really surprise everybody. Um, so he will have the benefit of 2024, I would think, on the roster. Um, and I don't think the Lions are in a hurry to make any moves at linebacker. I, I think they like who they have. I think they've shown time and time again that they like who they have as much as Lions fans don't seem to agree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, th- I, I think you brought up a good point that this is still fairly new position for him, but like this, this is a time to grow, right? Yeah. We heard plenty about the year two jump, you know, Dan Campbell expects guys to make that year two jump every, you know, every young player should make that year two jump. Maybe his becomes a year later because he's so new to the position. Um, if it doesn't come then, well then, yeah, I, I think you are starting to think down the line and say, okay, well with, you know, if you're entering 2024 and, and both, Alex Anzalone and, and Derek Barnes are kind of tunneling towards the end of their contracts. You you really have to start thinking about a replacement then. So to, to dissuade the Lions from thinking about that in next year's draft, because I don't think they're going to spend high draft capital on a linebacker this year. Uh, you you got to ball out this year. And if not, show that maybe maybe the way to show that you're going to be a future of this roster is develop a special teams role. And I know that's not going to be an ideal situation for Derek Barnes. It's probably not what he wants his future in this NFL to be. But if he wants to stick around on the roster and he's not progressing as a defensive player, you better turn into a pretty darn good special teamer. And that's where I'm at with Derek Barnes. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, more of your Lions questions here on the midweek mailbag. As always, you can submit them on Twitter with the hashtag AskPOD and we'll look them over. Um, and if you want to just ask them to our live audience, which we spend some extra time with uh, off air, uh, watch us on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. But more Lions questions on the other end. We'll be right back.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the Midweek Mailbag. Myself and Eric Schlitt answering your Lions questions as we are now just a month away from the 2023 NFL Draft. Um, but we're we're just getting done with the owners' meetings. And one of the uh, fun slash interesting things that happens at the owners' meetings is an agreement upon new rules for the NFL season, uh, of which we got one question about uh, Motor City Jaw again asks, who do you want the Lions to see rep the number zero, which is now allowed a new uniforms. Who do you want to see rep a zero uniform? Let's start with the silly mm-hmm. question here. Jeez, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have uh, anybody that stands out. Um, I would have probably said JMO from from last year's class, but I think he seems pretty content with his nine. I don't um, know. I, I think he wants to change. Uh, I know he's he's in the past said he wanted one, right? I oh, think. Yeah. I'm all about zero for him. Like, put J and then let's let's make the the XFL rules. J A M J A M O. That's what that's I cl- want. That's clever. Although maybe you um, don't want the word jam on the back of your shirt. That probably looks weird. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, like, it's 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 an unusual, like it's an unusual number. Yeah. Uh, but it's becoming more and more popular and trendy. Right. Um, I mean, you've seen defensive backs wear it. You've seen tight ends wear it. Um, I, I would think it would have to be a skill player, right? It'd have it, to be it can't be a, a, a tight skill end player. would look too weird. I'm sorry. Like, oh, I mean, look, George, Washington, uh, the Georgia tight end is yeah, zero. That's a, and uh, he looks like an offensive lineman and he wears zero. It's so I weird. mean, yeah. My, my only other idea is to just like every kicker has to wear a zero. <laughs> which i put out there on twitter like nah, you know what you guys you guys don't get true numbers uh sorry well kickers. yeah i don't know um i think it'd have to be a skill player i jmo is probably the, the one with the most swagger for it okay i'll take that um all right let's get to some more serious questions um and i i, I want to start with kind of a a overall question we got i don't have a the specific wording from our twitch chat um because it also kind of runs into this other question, but I want to start with this one first. Brad Holmes uh, in his press conference uh, said a couple things uh, interesting at the owners' meetings. And, and and one thing that stuck out to me was him saying essentially like, hey, we don't even bring in our our uh, our depth chart to our, our, our war room. We don't, we don't concern ourselves with our depth chart. And then he brings yeah. off a whole bunch of examples about how when they were with the Rams, they had a bunch of defensive linemen and they continued to draft, draft defensive linemen because their focus was on player, not position. They, sure. they're, they're, 
and and I'm sure I'm sure there's not no consideration for for position, but his overall point seems to be we're picking best player available first and foremost, and then we'll worry about position later because your positional value, your your spot on the depth chart will be figured out later. That's not as important to us as getting good football players in this building. Thoughts? Question? Uh, there's not really a question yeah. there other than thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with it. Um, I, I, I agree that that should be your strategy going into any draft, right? Is that you're drafting the player. You're not worrying about where they play. You're just, the more you can add talent, the 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 better your team becomes. That being said, if they draft an offensive tackle to play offensive tackle, like a guy who can't can't play inside, it seems like a wasted pick. Uh, if they have long-term goals for Jared Goff and you draft a quarterback to sit on the bench for the next five years, it seems like a bit of an overspend, right? Like if you're if you're spending hot, right? Yeah. So there are obviously things that you have to take into consideration knowing what you're going to do long term. Um, but like taking a, a tackle that can play guard and then be available to play ta- tackle later, that seems very logical, right? And so well, you're back on board um, with Skaronsky. <laughs> oh, I thought you said that's a weird way to pronounce Darnell Wright. Uh, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like you can absolutely like that's why a guy like Wright is in the mix for me. Yeah. Right. Because if he was a tackle only. Uh, you He wouldn't be in the conversation. But the fact that I think he can play right guard, it allows him to to be considered there. Um Maybe you look at Skarnowski and you say, oh, he's an interior guy only. And so then I don't think he can play tackle. Well, that could be okay for the Lions, but that might not be okay for like, let's say the Bears. Yeah. Who are picking at nine. Right. And they and they 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 have a bigger need at tackle for that they think they need to address, right? Or they think they need to like, you know, whatever. Yeah. So this the whole concept of positional value comes into question here. And I think that was originally where the, the, you know, where we right. got this question started. Right. Um, and I think, I think if you look at positional value, you can use it like a tool, right? Like you can say like Brad Holmes's whole MO is about acquiring information and knowing where he thinks players are going to go in the draft. Right. So he ranks them on their talent level. He ranks them on their character. He ranks them on like a whole slew of different things. And one of those things that goes into that is probably like positional value. So like he, he he's going to look and say, maybe I don't need to take a guy like Brian Branch at six because his because most teams aren't going to value him at that spot. He's probably going to be more valuable a little bit later down right. the road. And maybe I get him at 18 or maybe I think he's going to slide further. That helps you when you're making trades. That helps you when you're knowing like your position. Like like with JMO, they knew there's probably only four guys that are going to be in, the, in that top wide receiver tier that year. And JMO was the guy they liked, but they knew he probably wasn't going to slide past like 12, which is why they traded up. And they knew they had to go up to get him in that spot. So positional value is, is an, an important thing to digest when you know um, what you think other teams are going to do. And I think Holmes has been really good at that uh, in, in, in the two drafts he's, he's done in Detroit because – 
it, it allows him to be able to say, I, this is where I think people are going to go. And then I'm just, and I know that I, this is the best player for me at this spot. Yeah. It, it, I think I found it interesting that you used offensive tackle to, to highlight kind of your point there. And, and I, I think I mostly agree with you, but part of me also thinks like if Brad Holmes was convinced there was a left tackle in this draft that was a huge upgrade from Taylor Decker, he would take him. I think he would. And, yeah, and figure out the rest I, and figure out the rest, the rest of the way. Right. I think that's true of most starters, right? If he thinks he can upgrade a starter, he would take that starter. Yes. Now, I don't know. Is is that speaking specifically about tackle? Yeah, I don't think there's a tackle better in Becker right now. Right. But I think think that's why to stretch the conversation to other positions. One that we've talked about a couple times before edge. You look at that. You look at that room right now and you say, oh, they better not take an edge. They're they, they, they somehow managed to bring back Charles Harris and and everybody's back. And, you know, you've you got some young guys that you're hoping if he finds an upgrade, if, there, if if there's an upgrade in this draft and there very well may be. I think Edge is on the board at six. Yes, at 18. I agree with you. I think basically any one of those high value positions, whether it's edge, offensive tackle, quarterback. I mean, again, you have to have the right player to present yeah. a significant upgrade. But I think that quote tells me is like. If this guy's good and and we know he's going to be very good, we're pretty darn sure he's going to be an elite level talent. We'll take him no matter what position he is, as long as the position meets the value. And I think there's historical merit to that, too. Like you see that happen in a lot of other teams that have been successful. Uh, If you're talking edge, look no further than the Eagles who continue to invest on the edge. Right. And now they've got a whole stockpile of guys. And it's one of the big reasons why it helped them find a lot of postseason success last year. Uh, and that leads us to our next question from Matt Rezepke, uh on t- Twitter. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, but they ask, what three positions are they most likely to double dip in the draft? And what non-special teams positions are they most likely not to draft? My my answer to this is all of them. Like, because of what he just said. Like, I don't think there's a, a specific position that they won't double up on. Because if they find the right guy that's there, they're going to take the right guy, no matter what, no matter whether they picked one earlier in the draft or, or they plan on picking one later. I think, I think it's all about the player itself and they're not that concerned about doubling up. Now you could answer this question relative to the talent that's in the draft. If there's a lot of good tight ends, like there are, maybe they double up on tight end. And that that was probably not the best example to use right away because that'll probably send (laughs) some Lions fans into panic. But you know, if, if, if there's a deep class at, at a specific position, I would say that's more likely. To be well, let me give. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Let me give you two examples. If we go right back to the mock draft that Ryan and I put out this morning, our sure. two of our day three picks were essentially excessive additions to an already loaded group. Um, we drafted an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman, with our <clears throat> excuse me, with our last pick. Even though we had taken a, uh, a tackle guard in the first round, we had him go taking another one in this. We had taken guard in the sixth because. That guard was had the potential to beat out a guy like Logan Stenberg, who I think we saw last year. Is there's a ceiling to his game, right? We talked about. Uh, we also added um, an, an edge rusher, right? We also add, we because it's good business to be able to add an edge rusher, and and uh, Yasir Abdullah, the edge rusher we added, is almost a clone of James Houston. But you know what? Having another James Houston type of guy is not a bad thing. Right. Now you're going to say, "Hey, if he is, 
it, you know, he's not going to see a lot of playing time because Houston's on the field. Well, yeah, but if Houston gets hurt, he's a backup. If he's not, like, there's other ways that he can contribute, even if he's a pass rusher only, because he can kick out on special teams, right? Like last year, they kept three linebackers for special teams only. Well, what if one of those linebackers happens to just be an edge linebacker instead of an off the ball? That's fine. Yep. That's fine with me. Right. And so I'm cool with adding more talent to an already loaded position because it can overlap with other areas. Yeah. And I think injury is a really important part to bring up because that's that was part of Brad Holmes's point was that, you know what your depth chart looks now. You don't know what it's going to look like in December when the injury bug hits like edge. Edge is a great example, right? The lines looked pretty good Certainly. at edge to start the year last year. And then by the end of the season, it was like, oh. We got to get James Houston in here because Charles Harris is hurt because, you know, uh, Aquara wasn't back. Aquara wasn't back yet. And, and Pascal, was in was hurt. Pascal was hurt. Kaminsky was hurt. Like mm-hmm. every, things can change in an instant. And so to have uh, a bevy of talent at one position is certainly not a bad thing. And I think that was kind of Holmes's overall point. Um, all right. Last question. Uh, this one also comes from our live Twitch chat. It is regarding DJ Chark, uh, who the Lions lost to uh, in free agency. Um, and, and and maybe more interestingly enough, Dan Campbell um, said that this is very much a, a need that they're pursuing. In fact, I'm going to quote him right here. He says, so I would say our eyes are there. We do have our eyes on that somehow, some way. Look, we'll miss Chark. He's another one. He brought us something that was a little different than the rest of our receivers. So, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment that quote uh, that unquote. Uh, there's a void for them to fill there. And and I think that last part was really important to point out. Like Chark was their big bodied kind of contested catch receiver, which they don't currently have on their roster. So the question is what kind of receive, what kind of X receivers are there in this draft? And is there a guy that you particularly like and where? So let me preface this a little bit by saying that while having variety of, of, of skill players is an important asset to have on your roster. Um, the way that the league is trending a little bit and definitely the way that college is trending is that they're producing guys that are position more position versatile than we've yeah. seen. Historically, you've gotten guys that are like, this is an X only, this is a Z only, right? But now we're starting to see this this wave of new players who are all position versatile. JMO. JMO can play all three positions. Um, I don't know if I'm on rock and play the X, but he can definitely play the slot and he can play the Z. He can play in the backfield. Like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's very position versatile. And so I don't think that they're going to pigeonhole themselves into saying we have to take an X because we don't have one. I think there's still an option for them to add the best player that's there. And if he happens to have X range, great. And if not, then maybe we move Josh Reynolds to the X this year. He's done it in the past for us in a pinch. Maybe he can do it some more. And then and then we also just start rotating these guys around again. Because when you have an offensive coordinator who is creative, you can do a lot of variety. So if a guy like... Jalen Reed, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, who is a not an ex, yeah, but a guy that they've done a lot of homework on. They could I could easily see them drafting him and just being the only receiver that they draft, and that doesn't fill the X void. 
but it adds talent to the roster, a position versatile player who can also contribute on special. Like, so I don't think they're going to get too boxed in and saying, we got to get an X. Yeah. Now, if an X is what they're looking for, if, if they, if they said, you know, look, if they're saying, look, we don't know what Quintess Cephas's health is going to be. Um, and he's really the only true X on the roster. And he's really not even a true X to begin with, to be honest. He's right. He was, he was a big, big slot guy yep. from the beginning. Right. So if you, if you're looking for this big body, a guy like a guy like Quentin Johnson from TCU, that's your top guy, right? They, they met him at the combine. Um, this is six, three, two, 10. Uh, he's got good explosion. And he's a guy, he's your top guy. He, if you're taking, I know a lot of people are like, well, let's, what will they take one at 18? Will they take, if they're going to take a receiver at 18, it's probably going to be Quentin Johnson, right? Like he's, yeah. he's, he's everything that they don't have right now. And he's a lot of what shark was. Um, if they go past the first round, now you're starting to talk about guys like Cedric Tillman on day two. Tillman is a, he was the exit Tennessee while uh, Jalen Hyatt, who was the, was the, the, the Z um, Hyatt got more hype because he's faster. And also Tillman was injured at the beginning of the year and a lot and, and Hendon hookers just started got a good had built a good chemistry, went to Hyatt a lot. Hyatt's a really talented player, but Tillman is very underrated. When you get past Tillman, A.T. Perry is, an, is a guy who's been getting a ton of hype lately out of Wake Forest. Another guy who's like almost 6'4", like Chark was. Um, he can, he he is good. You know, he's not as fast as Chark, but he's got good measurables all around. Um, on day two, like that's that might be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for your pure X's. But then when you get after that, there's a whole slew of them. They've they've met with Xavier Hutchinson out of Ohio State. That's a right. pure X. Um, they've met with um, the North Carolina and uh, Anton Green, who's an X. I'm sure they've met with a bunch of other guys. But like when you get into day three X's and stuff, like you're you're getting Quintez Cephas or lower type players, right? Like right. You're and so shots. if. Yeah, so if you're if you're saying, man, I want an X, man, I want them to use up uh, a, a top one of their first five picks on an X. Quentin Johnson, Cedric Tillman, probably At Perry. That's about that's it. where your focus which should be. Kind of a small group, which is why maybe um, we're not done in free agency necessarily. Maybe there's someone out there out there on the free agent market or on the trade market. We discussed that a little bit on our Spotify live show. I'm going to make you have to go back and listen to if you want to hear that conversation, because we are done here in the midweek mailbag. We're going to close things out. We're going to spend a little time with our live audience after the show. But for those of you listening at home, I appreciate all of the support, all the listens. Make sure you download. Make sure you leave a review. We're going to start reading those again on the POD cast. We are just short of, I want to say, 700 reviews over on Apple Podcasts. So again, leave a review there. But until next time, for Eric, for myself, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.